Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Hey guys, we're delighted that you are with us here this morning. Uh, for many of you, you might not know who I am, so my name is Randy Thornton. Uh, I'm the senior pastor at Grace Church in Southern Pines, North Carolina, and I've been a part of this fellowship here on the oversight team uh, from the outside source that helps oversee the church here for quite quite a long time here. So, so we've had good relationship with you guys, and uh, I'm really excited with what God's doing here in the church. Uh, as you know, many of you know that Pastor Willie's been sick, uh, has had pneumonia, and so for the next couple months, we're trying to get him back on the mend um, here. Uh, so you might want to be, we're going to actually try and avoid being in crowds uh, since he's very susceptible. Uh, so, but again, what we're doing is uh, uh, Virgil's been preaching for you guys and Grace Church is going to be sending people down and we'll be providing, uh, working out uh, several months, six months, kind of just a preaching schedule uh, and we're trying to plan some things just to ramp up as we go into the fall here. Amen? Amen. And uh, so we're, we're excited. One of the things I love about this, uh, the, part of the call of God over this congregation um, in, in the South, which Virginia's part of, right? Amen. Okay. It is a very racially divided area. Uh, there's white church and there's black church. And how many of you know that's not cool? Uh, you know, in the Bible, it talks, many of us read, it says that God's house is called to be a house of prayer. Uh, and the word prayer there, or the word uh, house of prayer for all nations, the word nations is a Greek word called ethnos. It's people groups. And so what God wants to do is literally, when we get to heaven, it's not going to be white church, it's not going to be black church, it's going to be white, yellow, green, every imaginable color. And as a church, I believe one of the core issues for, for us as a church here is breaking down the wall of separation, where we can, as, as, as people, come together, the up and outs, the down and outs, the extremes of nationalities, and all come together for one thing, is to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? Amen. My house will be a house of prayer for all nations. You know, there's neither Jew nor Greek nor whatever else, we all stand before God. And so as a, as a church, one of the, our core issues here is being a house of prayer, a house of prayer specifically for all nations. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Again, I'm delighted uh, to share a message I believe is right on the heart of the Lord. Uh, the, entitled, the message title is called um, Changing. You want to change your life, then you have to change the way you think. Now, as many of you guys know, uh, I've never gone short on a sermon. So for your sake, I'm going to set an alarm, which means nothing. Uh, <clears throat> but I'm going to set it there just so I can kind of have a, a little little heads up. So Now, <clears throat> but I'm going to start with the question, how many of you know that many of us are going through difficulties in life? There's adverse problems. There's, life has a way of just dealing difficulties. And uh, if, you're, if you're living and breathing, you're going through some problems. Is that right? Some of us want God to change our problem when God is interested in changing our mind. So sometimes God is, <clears throat> we want God to change our circumstances, and God wants to change how we respond to our circumstances, how we, what's going on. And sometimes it's even the difficulties <coughs> as believers 
that God uses to form his character in us, to prepare part of our message, part of his message in us, and how we respond. So, again, God is more interested in changing your thoughts than he is in changing your circumstances. And sometimes nothing's going to change in your circumstances until you change the way you think about them. Sometimes they're a gift from God, not a curse from Satan. Some of us have situations where we want God to change our spouse. We want God to change our job. You know, we want God to change our children. Uh, Whatever it is, we're always wanting God to change our... And God can and will. But again, let's, let's... The greatest thing that we can do is to line our thinking up with God's thinking... Uh, and not let the enemy have a heyday in our life. Amen? So, if you would, uh, <clears throat> have your Bibles with you. If not, the Scriptures will be up on the screen. But in Isaiah 26, 3, it says this, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. In other words, for those who've learned to have a personal relationship with the Lord and allow God and have a walk with God, Again, there's a difference. I always say the longest 18 inches in the world is from the head to the heart. So again, if you can get your head in line with what God says in a relationship with the Lord where you know that you know that Christ is in you, that you're born again, that you have a relationship with God, God lives and comes and dwells within us. So what we want to do is we want to be able to take what is happening in our mind and affect our heart to such a degree that no matter what our circumstances are, we're at peace. Okay? So, you keep him in perfect peace. Perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. So, there's a place. Do I need to move this around? Okay. Because he trusts in you. Now, how many of you know we can all trust our emotions? Not true. Right? How many of you know many of us have gotten into trouble many times because we've made decisions in the heat of the moment and our emotions run amok? Or we've, we've allowed our emotions, uh, we're tired, we're upset, we have allowed some unforgiveness, and our emotions have led us down a path. So what I want to do today is I want to talk about if you're wanting your situation or your circumstance to change, we have to change the way we're thinking. Now, just a little bit for the geeks in here, a uh, little bit of science, all right? Our bodies are constantly uh, living and dying at the same time. In other words, we're, our, we, we eat food, our body takes in food, it takes the nutrition that's in, our, in the food, and, it, and our, part of our body is full of millions and millions and millions of cells. And some of those cells are dying, and some of those cells are, are multiplying, they're literally splitting, and renewing your body constantly. So, so now, in, just as food is nutrition, and what you feed it is what you become. So if you're, you're eating healthy, we know that your body is going to be healthy. But if you're feeding it a bunch of junk, we all know that your body is going to be affected by it, right? We're not into science yet. Now, in the part of it, your, your body has all these what they call neuroreceptors. And it's like this, if you... Whatever you feed it is what it will eat on. Neuroreceptors are, let's say, take your emotions. If you're, if you're having uh, just negative attitude and all you're doing is complaining and all you do is, is the glass is half empty all the time, it's like this, your, your neuroreceptors feed off of your emotions, these, these, these 
these, these cells are multiplying. They're kind of like a sponge. So if you're, if you're all the time walking around and you're negative or whatever and you're feeling unhappy or, or just angry, then what happens is each, over a two-month period, you, literally your body reproduces itself over a two-month period. And each, each time these neuroreceptors are multiplying. So if you're feeding your neuroreceptors negativism or hatred, whatever it is, those neuroreceptors split. And what they do is they're saying, I need more of whatever emotion you're feeding it. And uh, then it, it'll, so you have negative, unhappy, depressed, discouraged, whatever it is, these cells are in your body physically. They're in your body. And they're reproducing. And so every time they split, there's two of them. And they're going, give me more of whatever you fed them. So if it's negativity or depression or defeated thoughts, they're crying out and they're looking for those thoughts. And so literally, not is it just in your mind, but your body's beckoning for whatever you feed it. Now, on the other side, those pleasure receptors at the other side, part of your brain, is if you're thinking happy thoughts, positive thoughts, and you're changing the way you're thinking from negative to positive, those neuroreceptors are literally saying, give me more of that. So what if I gave you just a challenge? What if we know that your body is going to change over the next two months? It's going to, re- it's going to die and reproduce. And whatever you feed it is going to win. It's what you're going to become. And so today's message is, if you want to change your life, change the way you think. Right? Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, And do not be conformed to this world. Do not just be think the way the world thinks, but what be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. The word transformed is literally like what we talk about a butterfly. It's literally metamorphosized. It's, it's to be changed from what you were to what you can become. You know, the, we, we have the picture of a, a caterpillar uh, that's eating plants and is ugly and mushy, and then it goes through that process of transformation and literally becomes a butterfly. And so what God says is, do not allow what, what's happening in the world. Now, what's happening in the world has really no effect on you, yes and no. But it's what you allow it to do to you. And so it says, don't let the what's going on in the world control you or form you. But by the renewing of your mind, be transformed. That way, rather than living for the world, you're able to, when you've allowed your mind to be transformed, you can be conformed to God's will. And that which is good, perfect, and pleasing. Now, we all know the story of King David Again, David was a young boy. He had many brothers. He was the youngest boy. And he was kind of one of those, you know, when, when King Saul rebelled against God's design for his life, he was insecure, fearful, and intimidated, and he wouldn't believe what God said about him. So what was, first of all, what was King Saul's number one problem is he had what we call stinking thinking. He would never agree with what God said about him, but he always felt inferior. And when you feel afraid, you feel shamed, when you feel it affects the way you, you respond to life situations, right? Are we all on track? 
Saul saw himself small in God's eyes, not good enough, not worthy. And where's that from? Is that from the pit of hell or from God? John 10.10 says, Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and might have life abundantly. So when we allow our minds to be consumed with what the world says or what Satan says, now God's plan is always to prosper you, to bless you, to have a great plan, Jeremiah 29.11-13. Satan always has a plan for your life too. It's always, every day, kill, steal, and destroy. It's trying to rob you of your destiny, rob you of your call, rob you where your mind is consumed with the world and the fears of the world. Now, young David grew up at this time, and God removed the anointing off of Saul's life because he, he, first of all, he wouldn't agree with what God said, and then he rebelled against God. And so God lifted the anointing, and he says, I'm going to raise up somebody whose heart is after me. In other words, I have a relationship with him, and when I tell him what to do, he's going to do it, and he agrees with what I say about him. So David's a young boy. First of all, he was rejected by all of his brothers. So when King Saul comes to anoint one of the son of Jesse's sons to be the next king, they didn't even invite David. How many of you, David, most, most of us would feel like, yeah, I kind of got left out. How many of you have ever felt left out or rejected? Emotions. And, and, Saul, and as Samuel the prophet's looking, he goes, I don't see God's anointing on any one of them. Don't you have another son? Well, there's just David. He's just that little pipsqueak out in the... Well, go get him. And what God says, he says, I don't look at situations like man looks at. I look at the heart. See? And what God's looking at with David is David had a relationship with the Lord. And David just started agreeing with what God said about him. So when, when lions, tigers, and bears came out to kill the sheep, David didn't let fear control him. David, when he had the little prompting from the Lord, go out and kill that lion, tiger, and bear, a young boy. And what happened is he learned because he allowed his mind to begin to be controlled by what God said versus his situation or his circumstances. He's rejected by his family, rejected by his brothers, put out there all by himself, lonely. But David cultivated a relationship with the Lord where the anointing of God began to transform this young little man into making him the greatest warrior in Israel's history. God began to give him a warrior anointing because he started to agree with what God said about him. So David is a young boy's anointed king. All right? So we're going to kind of track just through how... But, but so David, again, David had to learn to overcome his fears. David had to learn to overcome people's opinion about him. David had to begin to agree when God says, I've called you to be king... David had to say, okay, God, I'm ready. But what happened is you can't make yourself what God wants. You have to let God make yourself what he wants over time by responding in faith and obedience. So, again, we want to we wanna understand the importance of learning. If you want to see your life change, don't be so consumed with your circumstances. Be consumed with changing your mind so that it aligns with God's word. All right. So why is it important to why is it so important that I learn to manage my mind? Because if you don't manage your mind, the world is going to, to tell you what you should think. If you don't manage your mind, Satan's going to drop bombshells in your, your life to confuse you, to control you. So let's talk about some ways how I can learn to manage my mind. Number one, 
I need to manage my mind because my thoughts control my life. Proverbs 4.23 says, Be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. In other words, what you think about is going to be what controls your life. If you're feeding your, your receptors, your, 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 all of the cells in your body, negativism or depression or fear, pretty soon it's going to control you. Your thoughts shape your life. You know, and again, in Proverbs it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. In other words, if you think you're not good enough, that's what you're going to become. If you think that no one loves you, that's what you're going to become. But what God says is be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what we have to do is we have to get rid of what I call the stinking thinking. And we need to not be unrealistic. We don't need to be high in the sky. I'm, I'm the greatest person on the earth. But how many of you know you're God's favorite child? Amen? I tell all my, children, my children, you're my favorite daughter. You're my favorite daughter. You're my favorite daughter. You're my favorite son. You're my favorite grandchild. You're my favorite granddaughter. Papa, what about... You're my favorite granddaughter, too. They're all my favorite. Amen? Amen. All right. So, you are shaped... Your thoughts control your life. How you respond. If you're, if you're allowing fear or rejection or anxiety, whatever they are, and what we have to do is learn to let our life be controlled by what God says above our circumstances. Okay, number one. Why we need to manage our mind is because our thoughts control our life. Number two, because my mind is the battleground for sin. Romans chapter 7, verse 23. I love to do God's will so far as the new nature is concerned. That means I've been born again. The new Christ living in me is concerned. But there is also deep within me, within me that is at war with my mind and wins the fight. In other words, there's a war inside of you. And where that war is either won or lost is where? In our mind. And makes me a slave to sin within. I make my, I, in my mind, I want to be God's servant, but instead I find myself still enslaved to sin. So, now, <clears throat> this is a true story. There was once a missionary who went into Africa uh, before communism swept into Africa. And he went in and he was leading tribal groups to the Lord. And he, he led a, a young man to the Lord, began to minister to him, began to, you know, uh, <coughs> raise him up, planted a church there. But communism was sweeping in. So just within a short period of time, he took the young man that he had, he had led to the Lord and been disciple and says, I am going to have to leave because if they come in here, they're going to kill me. And so he had to flee for his life, gave him the only Bible that he had, gave this young man the Bible, gave him some things that he should be doing, and then he fled for his life. He was not able to return until almost 20 years later. When he came back to the village that he had, he had started this church in, he thought he surely by this time there would probably nothing be there. But when he got back, he found a thriving, healthy church. And the young man that he had put in charge had become the pastor, had become the leader. And he says, how on earth did you do this? He says, well, first of all, I, I, when, when Christ came into my life, he says, let me tell you kind of my story of how, because I, I didn't have anybody here to tell me. All I had was God's word. He says, I, I read like in Romans where there was this sin nature inside of me. He says, so he says, I, I, I attributed to this. He says, before I was born again, 
It's like what I call is what I had the dark dog of my soul, the sinful nature of man, all caused by Adam and Eve, right? Blame it on them, all right? So we have that. How many of you have that little nature inside of you, right? The first word a baby says is, gee whiz, mommy, I want to do what you say, or what's their first word? No, right? It's in there. So this young man said, I found that before I was a believer in Christ, this thing controlled my life. He says, but when the gospel was shared to me, it was like there was this new light, this, this brightness, this, this life that came alive inside of me, and it, it began to have, uh, it was like a new puppy that was born. He said, so I had, I had two dogs inside of my life. I had this dog that had controlled my life, and I had, when Christ came into my life, this dog that was now beginning to cause a problem for this thing. He says, but I found that as I would read the Bible, as I begin to pray, as I begin to obey what God said, this thing would grow. And when I fed this thing, this thing didn't have the power that it once did. He says, but if I neglected to spend time in God's word and I neglected to agree with what God said, then this thing would control. So how many of us know as believers in Jesus Christ, whatever you feed is what's going to win and control your life. We're going to talk today that the importance of this thing here is full of kill, steal, and destroy. Satan wants you to have stinking thinking. He wants you to constantly be consumed with fear or anxiety or rejection. Where are all those things coming from? From the pit of hell, from Satan himself. Where God, on the other hand, is always going to tell you, I love you, I forgive you, I accept you, I have a best plan for your life, that if, you'll, if you could look five years from now and know what my will is, you would always choose my will above your feelings, above your circumstances, because it's the best. All right? But what we do is we allow our emotions, we allow our thoughts to control us. So why is it important to manage my mind? Number one, my thoughts control my life. Number two... Because my mind is the battleground for sin. And number three, because the key to happiness, the key to peace, is learning to manage your mind. If Romans 8, 6, he says, If your sinful nature controls your mind, there's death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there's what? Life and peace. Now, three choices that we have to make if we're going to learn to manage our mind that we're going to learn to win this battle. And it's a battle, and it's a battle every day. And it's a battle from the time you wake up until you go to bed. So three things that we need to do. First of all, we need to feed our mind the truth, right? What you eat is what you become. Whatever dog you feed, if you feed your sinful, if your mind is consumed with everything from lust, greed, rejection, whatever you feed it physically and emotionally and spiritually is what you become. You need to feed your mind the truth. Number two, the second thing is, you need to free your mind from destructive, uh, from distractions and from destructive thoughts. You know, like the suicidal thoughts. Where does that come from? Some people will say, I have this voice inside of me. I say, I need to kill myself. Where's that coming from? And guys, there's just distractions. If Satan can't get you through sin, he'll just get you so preoccupied that you have no time to think on the things that you should. And number three, the, second, the third thing is you have to focus your mind. You have to learn to take your thoughts captive 
Because Satan will fill your mind, and if you don't take your thoughts captive, Satan will fill it with either busyness or de- destruction or temptation. So let's break those three things down. So how do I manage my mind? First of all, I'm going to feed my mind with the truth. Matthew 4.4, 4, Jesus answered, It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How many of us would agree with Jesus that it's more important to spend time in God's word than go out and eat a, a, a honey bun? Or, right? So Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but every word of God. See, so what Jesus said is what he did is every morning while it was yet early, Mark one thirty-five, he would go out, he would spend time with God. And he, 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 before the day started, before the pressures, the anxieties, the problems, the criticism, he filled his soul with the word of God. And then when circumstances came, he didn't allow his mind to chase what the world would do or what Satan would do. He, he allowed his mind to agree with what God said about him. Okay? Number two, I must feed my mind with truth. Whatever I feed, I can feed my sinful nature or I can feed my new puppy in Christ, the righteousness of Christ. And whatever I feed wins. So when should I feed my mind? Psalms 119, all the time. Psalms 119, verse 147, I rise early to cry out for help and to put my hope in the Lord. Psalms 119, verses 9 and 11, how can a young man keep his way pure? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. So David said, how do I overcome sin? I put God's word in my mind. I memorize it. I meditate it. And then I obey what it tells me to do. So again, How often? We should spend time in God's Word daily. But it's not just I get up in the morning, but it's all through the day, letting my life and my mind think on the things that God would have me to think. If I'm thinking about fear all day long, guess what's going to happen? Those neural receptors are, are saying, feed me, feed me. But if you're telling that fear, be gone in the name of Jesus, I am going to trust God and I'm going to be at peace. There's a battle going on and whatever you feed is going to win. And so you have to make a decision today. If you want two months from now your life to change, then you have to change the way you're thinking. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. So number one, I have to feed my mind the truth. Number two, I have to free my mind from destructive thoughts. Romans 8, 5. Those who are dominated by their sinful nature, and that means... It seems like the negativism or the fear or the anxiety or the rejection is controlling your life. Those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things. Simply. If this puppy's winning, it's because you're letting him do so. It's your choice. And your choice is because you are consumed with letting your mind go places that it should not. All right? Those who are controlled yet, those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please God. How many of you have ever been on the highway and someone cut you off? We have a choice. To let our mind be controlled by the Holy Spirit and forgive that person. And the the verbal gestures or the physical gestures, you know, the... 
you're going to, okay, Lord Jesus, I need something besides myself right now. All right? But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about, feed things that are pleasing to God. So I always work with young men and I say, I train them out of Job, Job 31.1. Because so many young men struggle with moral purity. It's a, it's a, it's a, there's books written, it's every man's battle. So I always have them memorize a multitude of scriptures, but one of my favorite ones is, how can a young man keep his way pure? Okay, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin. That's Psalms 119.9.11, Job 31.1. It said this, he says, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully upon a young girl. Or for girls, I'd just say young men. How many of you know everything on TV now is just an open door for pleasure? And there's going to be, have to be something if we're going to be successful in our life that is going to overcome that. You know, today, if you pulled up the Washington Post or USA Today or the New York Times, there's more information on, on the, the New York Times. Wars, chemical things, murders, Iran, presidents, false news, whatever you want. Of things that are going on in the world. Can you, can you imagine on that one page, there's more information, more things to think about than a person in the 16th century would encounter in their entire life. They were worried about falling out of trees. They were worried about invading armies. They were worried about having enough food in the garden. Not someone hacking into your your email accounts, getting your passwords, taking all your money from the credit, credit card machine. I mean, the things that are now that we have to, the amount of information is mind-boggling. Uh, I, I, I didn't bring enough T-shirts when I rode here. So I, last night after I, I ate supper with Pastor Willie, I went to Walmart. You know, And so I said, well, I'm going to go in and I'm going to choose a T-shirt. And so here's a wall of the variety of T-shirts. Okay? Then, then they go to the toothpaste aisle. The toothpaste. I want, I want toothpaste. My teeth scrub clean. Okay? There's minty fresh. There's baking powder. There's white bright or the wall. And I, I just need some toothpaste. So what's happening with the world today is there's so much information that it's a distraction from people's minds. And now with video games and all the things, people are not, ha- that we're losing the ability to think clearly and make decisions. So some of the times working with young people, I said, okay, here I'm going to give you some information. I want you to make a decision. You pray about it, but I need a decision tomorrow. Sometimes we have the paralysis of analysis. I need to do all the investigation. I need to see which one is the YouTube's best. And we're, we're so consumed that we can't make decisions anymore. Can I get an amen here? Okay, so if I'm going to be successful, I have to put a filter on my brain. What, how much am I going to spend time watching Fox News or CNN and all the things that are going on in the world? How many of you know you'll still be here tomorrow if you don't watch the news? I think some of us could take a break for a month, fast a month, from social media and the news and come out winning. 
Because whatever I feed wins. If you're just listening to fear and worry and problems and you allow that to consume your mind versus thinking of the good things that God has, learning how to love your family, learn how to be a faithful, dependable person, just how about just just go worship God and enjoy life. Take time to smell the roses rather than to see all the stuff that stinks. I must free my mind from destructive thoughts. I'm going to just read this quickly, just for a second time. By the way, this is just the introduction. (laughs) Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Our weapons have de- have power to demolish stronghold. What's a stronghold? It's a lie that deceives. It's a, an ongoing sin that you allow into your life. Or it's one time being angry is not a stronghold. But when you allow anger and unforgiveness, anger and unforgiveness, anger and unforgiveness, and you don't keep it clean, and you don't get rid of it every day, pretty soon whatever you feed, what? Controls you. That which is controlling you is a stronghold. So if fear seems like it consumes you, the devil has got an open door and you need to close it. And it's not going to close until you change the way you think. And your thinking is not going to break that stronghold until you bring it into alignment with God's Word. And God says we have power. Power through the Word of God. Power from the presence of God living and dwelling in us. Whatever I feed wins. Our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish any argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive and we make it obedience. In other words, I'm not going to trust my emotions. I'm not going to trust what the world says. I'm not going to take the opinion of everybody on who's on social media that says, I don't like your you know, hey, you have 500 friends. All you got to do is say one time something that they disagree with and they dislike you. So if your opinion of who you are is based on how many people on social media like you, I'm going to tell you, you're going to have a problem in life because you're always going to feel like nobody loves you or likes you. You know, really, who, who, who all, the only person you really need to know who loves me is God. Because your family's going to disappoint you. Your husband's going to disappoint you. Your wife's going to disappoint you. But if you know who you are, I am God's favorite child. And I'm going to agree with what God says, not what other people say. Because there's going to be good days they love you. How many of you know I love my wife? I love her. But there's some, some days I just wish she wasn't there at that moment. Can, can I be real? And I love my wife. But sometimes she knows that. Have you ever seen that little easy button? Wives, do you live with some? I've been married 39 years. And she knows all she has to do is look at me the wrong way. And I know how that easy button just... But I have a choice. Satan knows we have an easy button. And I have to have something in me that goes beyond whatever makes me easy to sin. A power. And it comes by me allowing my thinking to align with what God says, not what my emotions dictate. Because people are always going to cut you off. They're always going to insult you. They're always going to be... But if you know that you're in God's will, and you're doing everything in your life to please him, then it doesn't matter what people do or don't do. Amen?
Guys, I'm just telling you what God's word says. So let's talk about how temptation works. How many of you know temptation is not from God? Where does temptation come from? From the evil one. John 10.10, Jesus says, I've come that you might have life, have it abundantly, but Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. James 1.14 says, temptation comes from the lure of your own evil desires. These evil desires lead to evil actions. So where did it says, evil desires lead to what? Evil actions. So where do the desires come? First of all, is desire not a gift from God? And any time when we see all these people doing all kinds of weird and wacky things that's confusing the world, they all start with a good God-given desire. But when you take desire and you feed it the wrong thing, it's going to have wrong desires. We see all kinds of things. So temptations come from the lure of our own evil desires. These evil desires lead to evil actions. And then evil actions always lead to what? If you Let me give you an example. I, I think eclairs are really great. You know what? But what if I, over time, I ate eclairs, I ate eclairs, I ate eclairs. Pretty soon I have an eclair stronghold. And, you know, after three or 400 pounds, the eclairs aren't agreeing with me. And so the doctor says, son, if you don't stop eating eclairs, you're going to die. Now, I can either agree because what I fed controls me. So I decide I'm going to, to give up eclairs. So I'm walking, and I've, I've decided that eclairs are like no-no to me. And so I walk by, and, and uh, I have to go into the, to the, the gas station. I've stopped going to the bakery. I've talked, told my wife, I, 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 this is all not true, but okay. So, so for her, she can't buy eclairs. In my, I'm an eclair-free house because I've got a problem with eclairs. How many of you know we all have a problem with some of our desires? So... So one day I pull in the gas station and, I, and some, I, the, the thing doesn't print out my receipt, so I have to go inside. And when I go in the, inside the gas station, there's a, a Krispy Kreme counter with eclairs in it. And it, so I have in my mind, I know I'm not supposed to think about eclairs, I'm not, but I, I saw the eclair, and pretty soon that little thought got in my mind. So then all during that day, I'm going, man, and... Then I, when I, on my way home from work, rather than doing my normal route, I, I need to run by the, you know, that gas station. And I, I go in the gas station. I see, I go in. I come up with a reason to go into the gas station. And I just see the eclair. Are you guys getting ready with it? And then, then, then my wife says, hey, we're having some guests over. I said, well, maybe we just should get something from the bakery. I said, I'll stop by. So I walk into the bakery and I see the cakes and I see the pies and I see the eclairs. And I'm going, get behind me, Satan. But I'm allowing my thoughts to be controlled. I said, so I, I don't, I, I buy a pie. So I buy a pie. But in my mind, all I'm thinking about is that sweet eclair. Right? So the next day, I find myself driving by the bakery again. And the smell. I can, and I know there's lots of smells, but I can smell that eclair. Guys, where are we headed? You know, the next day I just said, pooey on this. I drive in and I said, give me a dozen eclairs. And I eat them all before my wife has a chance to know that I ate them. Then that, guys, how many of us have, that's how temptation works? It says, when David went off to war, 
when the, when, when the, the nation of Israel went off to war, the, some of his men said, hey, David, you're the most valuable commodity we've got. You're the man that God's blessed. Why don't you just not put yourself in jeopardy here? And so, so David, during when all everybody's out to war, he's back doing nothing. How many of you know doing nothing's not a good thing? When everybody else and kings are out to war, David's back, and he has this. So David, one morning, maybe goes out, and he walks up to the palace wall, maybe on a prayer walk. And he happens to notice, whoo, man, there's a good-looking babe right down there. Now, rather than letting the eclair walk away, David took a little bit more time. Not that he didn't have multiple wives, but he didn't back. So maybe the next day, he walks out at the same time. Rather than saying no, he looks again. And he looks again. You know what finally he does? David goes down, takes the woman Bathsheba, who's one of his top soldier's wife. Uriah the Hittite was in his top 30 guys. He knew her. He knew Uriah the Hittite. And he comes in and he takes a woman. Here's a man after God's own heart because he allowed Satan to get a control of his thoughts. He takes her into his house, rapes her, rapes her, and then ends up having to kill Uriah the Hittite because she became pregnant. Guys, all of us are one decision away from stupid. All of us are just one decision. I, but by the grace of God. For you to think that you can't be like David. How David did what David did is this thing here was in control. And rather than telling it no, rather than walking up and saying, I'm not going to go out to the edge of the palace because I know probably wasn't just one Bathsheba. There were probably many women out there at that time of the day. And he shouldn't have been where he should have. And what happens is it creates a desire. Then it led to an evil, evil action. And that evil action led to what? Death. And David suffered the consequence. Did God forgive him of that sin? But David and his family suffered the consequence of his sin for the rest of his life. God forgives us. But those times when we allow the eclair of our mind to control us, it always brings death. <clears throat> it starts as desire, turns to doubt, leads to deception, then ultimately disobedience and defeat. I'm going to go ahead and close with the scripture. Again, the last thing we said, we have to learn to take our thoughts captive. Number one, I need to feed my mind the truth. I need to free my mind from destructive and distraction, destructive thoughts. And number three, I must focus my mind and take my thoughts captive. Each one in this room. Now, let me talk to parents. Parents, is it important that we teach our children how to manage their emotions? Is it important for us to teach our children how to gain control of their thought life? Because, guys, what the world thinks is success is I have a great job or I have a great education or I drive a nice car. How many of you know you can be a miserable, rotten person 
is just an accident waiting to happen because we're all one, one decision away from stupid. But if we begin to build a wall, you know what a stronghold in the Greek, in Ephesians 4.29, it says, Be angry and sin not, lest Satan gain a, a foothold or stronghold. In the Greek, it's the literally word of buttress. It, it's, it's a place where you've, given, you've, you've allowed your mind to camp out in an area it shouldn't over and over and over. All right? Be angry and sin not, lest you give Satan a foothold. Do not look at lust or you give Satan a foothold. Do not listen to rejection, or you give Satan a foothold. Many of us have mental strongholds right now that are controlling our life. As parents, we have to learn to, first of all, take our own thoughts captive and make them obedient. In other words, there's an intentionality, and it says we have divine power to control those strongholds. Fear does not need to win the battle over your life. Rejection does not need to win the battle over your life. So what does God say? Is you need to repent of your stinking thinking and we need to begin to think what God says about us. If you have an eclair problem, don't go by the eclair counter. Because if you do, you're going to think about it. If you have a lust problem, you have to learn to overcome that. Get some accountability. Memorize some scriptures. If you have a greed problem, a rejection problem, whatever. How many of you know we all have problems? And we're all one, one decision away from stupid. So I'm going to close with this verse. Philippians 4.8 Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, If there's anything of excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Some of us want right now for God to change our circumstances. Is it possible that God's going to leave our circumstances until we change the way we think? Because if we remove that pressure, our mind would be on other things. So sometimes, rather than looking at a problem, why don't we thank God for that problem and and see it as a gift from God? Or if it's from the enemy, you'll know this is from the devil. But what God wants to do is for you to learn, if any man lacks wisdom, James 1 says, Count it all joy, brethren, when you encounter trials of various kinds. Okay, trouble. And God says, guys, now if you have trouble, God says, you need to ask for wisdom. Trouble, wisdom. Because wisdom, troubles come from three different places. How many of you know trouble comes from our own sinful nature? How many of you know we're, we can blame it on the devil all day long? But many of us have been walking by the eclair counter. Satan doesn't have to do a stupid thing. Right? How many of you know sometimes trouble comes and they're a gift from God? So when you're going through trouble, you have to say, is this problem, did I cause this problem? Number two, is this problem from God? In other words, there's been many a problem, many a boss, many a situation that I've had through the years. God says, Randy, this is just a hammer that I'm using to chisel the character of Jesus. And you have to respond. And you get a, you get a pat, take that test until you pass it. How many of you know Moses walked around the mountain where the presence of God was for 40 years? I wonder how many times he says, I'm no good, I blew it, I'm not worthy. God, you can't use me again. How many of you know the gifts and call of God are without repentance? 
Even if you've blown it. Even if David blew it. How many of you know God is the God of the second chance? And so David, Moses one day says, God, I'm tired of living like a shepherd because I know that you've called me to be a king. You've called me to be a leader. When Moses got his thoughts in line with what God said, he saved the nation of Israel. I can go through Joseph, Gideon, David, Esther, all these people where Satan would have loved to take their thinking down a, a, a bad thought process, but they just begin to agree with what God said about them. So how, how many of us right now could make a commitment over the next two months to begin to spend time daily in God's Word? Number two, that we would, we would realize these are my problems, and we would find scriptures concerning my area of eclair problem and begin to memorize some scripture. So when the smell of eclair passes my, my, my mind, I put a no to it, and I take my thought captive. And then three is I begin to do something. I begin to step out in faith with what God's called me to be and do. Amen? So let me, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that you've called us to be people set apart. Lord, you've told us that we're not to be conformed in our mind, our will, our emotions by the way the world is, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can prove what is God's will, that which is good, acceptable, and pleasing to God. So I pray right now, Father, you would give us a desire to align our thinking with God's thinking and that we would start believing what, God, you say about us and about our circumstances and that, God, we would change the way we think and bring it into alignment with your will. In Jesus' name. Now, I'm going to probably close, turn this over to Sam, but I don't know where everybody is in their personal relationship with Jesus. I know that before you're born again, this thing controls you and you have no power to live the Christian life. But when you allow Jesus Christ to come into your life, he says that you're born anew. You're made a new person, a new creature in Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live, I live by faith. So if you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, we're going to just ask everybody to bow your heads. And I'm going to say a little, little prayer. And I want you to, if you're here today and you want to receive Christ as your Savior, I just want you to simply say this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I have an eclair problem, which is a sin problem. And I've sinned against you. And God, I can't live without you. God, would you come into my life right now? Would you come in and forgive me of my sins? Lord, I'm asking you, Lord, not only to forgive me of my sins, but I'm choosing right now to give my life, I surrender my life to you. And I, by faith, receive Christ as my Savior and as my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796.
We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.